Father God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus for you to make a way for freedom, for you to receive grace, to be forgiven of your mistakes, of your wrong, of what would separate you from an open and free relationship with God, to receive new spiritual life abundantly, that in every season of life, spiritually, you can be bringing fruit. That's how Father God showed us love. And it's available, it's real, it's vibrant. And what Jesus said is that he would ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking for weeks about God, the Holy Spirit, and his relationship with us and what it means. And what we've been trying to do is get more, I'm getting feedback, Joe, get uh, more specific than we have in the past. And go a little bit deeper than we have in the past to equip us, to help us understand what this looks like. And Rebecca talked about the, with the example of the sine wave that you see the concept of trying to tune yourself constantly to an awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. In your, in your rest, in your labor, in every moment, in your quiet time with God, and, and coming into, almost like Brother Andrew wrote in Practicing the Presence of God, a leaning into, uh, sorry, that overused phrase, leaning into the presence of the living God, an awareness of God. And so we've talked about the Spirit-led life, and then we've talked about how then, as a result of the Spirit-led life, the Spirit then produces in us fruit. And, And we get this from the eyewitness accounts of people who saw Jesus in the flesh with their own eyes, heard His voice with their own ears, and received this new life, and it changed them. And with the climax of an event in Jerusalem, then they spread out. And the word spread out, and it spread to cities like Corinth, where people, new people, found this salvation in Jesus and this relationship with the Holy Spirit. But they're still humans like you and I, and what comes with being human? Issues. And, and, and confusion at times, and and misunderstandings. Anyone ever had a misunderstanding? And, and controversies and fussing. Now, we, we've just seen this really great NBA finals between two teams that have one of the things that I really enjoy in sports. I gotta be honest with you, I didn't watch any of the whole games, just the highlights. But old school teamwork. And you heard some of the players quoting the Hall of Fame coach. Pat Riley, and he would talk about the disease of me. And he would talk about we have to have we as a priority. For me to be a participatory part of the process, of the goal. Now, I know that you may not follow basketball, so you might be a little bit more familiar with Mark Hamill. Carrie Fisher, I I like this picture that also has um, Anthony Daniels and Peter Mayhew who played C-3PO and Chewbacca. Um, I I love to see kind of those pictures of them. You also see Kenny Baker there in the front who was in the R2-D2 
uh, robot who had an important role because the, they had physical problems that were, were messing with the remote controls of the R2-D2. Kenny Baker's on the inside of that, believe it or not, uh, controlling it. And you've got uh, at the back, you, you see Peter Mayhew there who played Chewbacca, who, you know, George Lucas said, what do you want to play? You want to play Darth Vader or Chewbacca? And he said, I want to be a good guy. Uh, kind of like uh, Peter Mayhew. And then you also see uh, David Prose there standing by Harrison Ford and behind Carrie Fisher, who was the, did all the body work for um, Darth Vader. And of course, we remember James Earl Jones as the, as the voice of Darth Vader. What did it take? What, what on earth are you talking about then? Team. You read any of the stories about the filming and the obstacles that they, that they went up against, they had to deal with the disease of me. And they had to go into teamwork. And they all had certain natural gifts and abilities that helped them pull off that. Now, I've given each one of you a, a print copy of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in the faithful translation, the NCV which was written for a particular lens towards educational diversity. And the Corinthian believers have written to Paul questions, controversies, issues, and they're asking for help. And Paul had been there at the beginning. We see the story in, in Acts chapter 18. And so in this letter, it's, he's responding to these questions and these thoughts. And we have to unpack a little bit what he means. And the, the word that's used most in the whole letter of 1 Corinthians is the word body, with this analogy of body. And I've had in the newsletter for a couple of weeks the invitation for today and the next two Sundays, if any one of you would like to share what the analogy of the body means to you. So we'll be, we'll be open, open for that. Um, the, the word that's used second most is spirit. And so this is actually... And, and there's gifts of the Spirit, abilities of the Spirit. And so this is a theme of this letter. And, but I want to talk a little bit, give, give us a little bit of context. I know we've got a few screens that you can look at here. Oh, my laser pointer's not working. So you can see on the map on the far right, you can see Asia. And no, I'm good. It was just the laser pointer. Um, you can see uh, over where Asia is, that's where Jerusalem and Israel is. Uh, you probably recognize the boot of Italy, the face of Spain. And just below the word Greece is where uh, Corinth would be. And so it's a city that's bustling. It's young. It's exciting. They, they have, uh, they're a, a place of travel. They're a place where people have traveled from different parts of the world. And, and the Greeks had taught their language and their culture all throughout the, the region. So people were, it was like the explosion of social media. There was this whole new ability to communicate with people around the world that they hadn't had before. And then the Romans with their military, their aqueducts and their roads had uh, made travel safer than it had ever been before. And so we see throughout this empire that's gone on. And what's happened in Corinth is that they've brought art from around the Roman um, kingdom. They've brought art into the city. And, and Corinthian columns, that's where we get that, that, that idea, Corinthian columns. And they had, you see the layout of the city there, that this was what was present at the time of this letter. And you, you see there's public spaces of meeting and conversation and, and art and, and theater and 
comedy and, and philosophers. In fact, uh, historians make a note that like Ephesus and other places, they loved philosophy, but they also note that the Corinthians kind of loved the events more than the philosophy, if you're really um, analyzing it. And they had these public events where there's all different kinds of spirituality and atheism and all different kinds of philosophy that are expressed and known. And there was a, a sexual revolution going on at the time that goes beyond the sexual revolution of the U.S. and the late 60s to the point that throughout the Greek-influenced empire to Corinthianize was a new slang word. They used the name of the city to tag somebody who their top priority was to explore any and all kind of sexual activity that had ever been known to man. That was to Corinthianize. And so what we have in Corinth, more than what we have in Ephesus or Rome, is kind of like we have here in the United States, a very, particularly within white culture, a very strong sense of individuality of me. I've, I've got the right idea. I've got the best idea. And, and a kind of a fractionalized tribalism into different groups. In fact, already in the Corinthian church, you had some that were strongly associated with Jesus, some strongly associated with the teachings of Peter that they had received, and some who was strongly associated themselves with Paul, and some who had strongly associated themselves with a teacher called Apollos. So we have, at least in the Bible, we know of four tribes within this one church. So there's some fussing going on. There's some controversy going on. And Paul's writing to them, and he addresses a, a number of different issues. But then what he also does is there's a turning point and coming to the climax of the, of the first letter and in, to refute a group of people that had come in called the Gnostics who'd said, hey, these Jesus followers, this new ecclesia, this new church, they don't know the way. We know the true way. And the true way to heaven and the true way to God is through your actions, not through salvation in Jesus and grace. And so Paul has to refute this philosophy and it culminates in chapter 15 around the resurrection of Jesus. But chapters 12, 13, and 14 have some interesting controversial verses that I want to bring us through in these coming weeks. But we've got to start with chapter 12 and it's important. So you've got in front of you from the NCV and the, 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 the principal verse you see, we're starting out from one spirit, we're all baptized in one, into one body. Now, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand about spiritual gifts. You know the way you lived before you were believers. You let yourselves be influenced and led away to worship idols, things that could not speak. He's talking about the pagan religions and the various religions that had stone or wood carvings of a god that they would worship. And interestingly enough, the um, archaeologists have uncovered in Pompeii and other places idols that were big enough that they had created a place where the priest could climb up into the statue and there was a hole that went through the mouth so the priest could, like the guy behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz, be the voice through the idol so that it wouldn't just be a stone carving that never spoke. So this idea was important. And he's also referencing, hey, in the past you've been influenced. There's been prophetic words or divination through demons that you've been involved with before. So I want you to understand that no one who is speaking with the help of God's spirit says, Jesus be cursed. 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord without the help of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to help them distinguish between who's the real real and who's not. And the the believers that are the real real are the ones who with all their heart say my salvation is in Jesus. There are different kinds of gifts. They're all from the same spirit. There are different ways to serve but the same Lord to serve. And there are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. God works in all of us in everything we do. Oh, isn't that beautiful? That's so powerful. It's so beautiful. So there is this unity that really is improved when we bring unique traits, unique God-given gifts together. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person for the common good, for the local community, the local community church of believers moving along on the cause of Christ. Everyone has something to offer, right? The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak with wisdom, and the same Spirit gives another the ability to speak with knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to one person, and to another, that one Spirit, the gifts of healing. The Spirit gives to another person the power to do miracles, and to another the ability to prophesy. And He gives to another the ability to know the difference between good and evil spirits. The Spirit gives one person the ability to speak in different kinds of languages, and to another the ability to interpret those languages. One Spirit, the same Spirit, does all these things. And the Spirit decides what to give to each person. It's not self-determinism or there isn't one person that's handing out the gifts. It's the Spirit. And so there's this beautiful equality in it. Right? A person's body is one thing, but it has many parts. Now try not to giggle too much. (laughs) Though there are many parts to a body, all those parts make only one body. Christ is like that also, or the community of Christ is like that also. Some of us are Jews, some are Greeks, some are slaves, bond servants, different types of slavery in that, in that period of time, and some are free. But we are all baptized into one body through one spirit. There's this new unity that is formed, and we are all made to share in the one spirit. The human body has many parts. The foot might say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. I don't know why a foot sounds like that. (laughs) But saying this would not stop the foot from being part of the body. Someone can say that, but it doesn't make it true. The ear might say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. But saying this would not stop the ear from being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, it would not be able to hear. Kind of look weird. If the whole, it'd be a lot of visine sold. If the whole body were an ear, it would not be able to smell. Eating would not be as enjoyable, right? If each part of the body were the same part, there would be no body. But truly God, watch this now, God put all the parts, each one of them, in the body as he wanted them. 
So then there are many parts, but only one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. No, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are really necessary. And the parts of the body we think are less deserving are the parts to which we give the most honor. We give special respect to the parts we want to hide. The more respectable parts of our body need no special care. But God put the body together and gave more honor to the parts that need it. So our body would not be divided. God wanted the different parts to care the same for each other. If one part of the body suffers, all other parts suffer with it. Or if one part of the body is honored, all the other parts share its honor. Together, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of that body. In the church, God has given a place, first to apostles, second to prophets, third to teachers. Then God has given a place to those who do miracles, those who have gifts of healing, those who help others, those who are able to govern, and those who can speak in different languages. Not all are apostles, not all are prophets, not all are teachers, not all do miracles, not all have the gifts of healing, not all speak in different languages, not all interpret those languages. But you should truly want to have the greater gifts. And now, starting chapter 13, the love chapter, he says... And now I will show you the best way of all. Wow, is that powerful or what? So, talk to me a little bit. What do we learn from the analogy of a church community as one body with many parts? Because he's he's not using language that's all the kingdom of God, all believers that are in that geographic region. The language is very specific to this local church, right? So what do we learn from the analogy of a church community as one body with many parts? Anyone? We all matter. We all matter. Yes. Right. If one suffers, we all suffer. If one, every part has a, a, a way to contribute. We all have value. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, different gifts, different roles. Right. He has a plan for each church and how everyone will work together in that church. Yeah. He has a plan for each church and how that will work together for the church. Yeah. God has intention. God with love gives identity, value, and purpose. God with loving design gives purpose. Someone else? Everybody contributes in different ways and amounts. Everybody contributes in different ways, in different amounts. It's good. Gideon, Charlotte? Yeah, the, um, the individual church is supposed to fulfill the role of the whole church. Right. A local church has the goal of the kingdom of God, of the big C universal church. There's a shared purpose, and the purpose is the cause of Christ. Anyone else? Right. Right. Yeah, that's really good. Let me, let me try to summarize that so everybody can hear. There aren't qualifiers in there that say the spiritual people have gifts. 
There aren't qualifiers in there that only some people do. No, actually, it's, it's really important. The grammar is an all y'all. Everybody has a gift. So let's, let me refine that since you brought that up. What do we learn about spiritual gifts from this analogy of the church as a body, the body of Christ? We've kind of we've addressed it a little bit, but anyone else, what do we learn about spiritual gifts? Daniel? It says it, the Spirit can give to anyone. Yeah. The Spirit can give to anyone. Now that's really important for a number of reasons. In this city in particular, we had economic diversity. You have poor people, rich people, educational diversity. We have racial, cultural, and ethnic differences where there's hostility. We have some people who were a part of religions that were female-centered, female-domineering, and we had people who were part of religions that were male-centered, male-domineering. Watch my words, right? So you had people with all those cultures coming together. But he says, the Spirit gives to all. Whoa. So you don't have, you can't say, no, the Spirit. Now, again, this is addressed to Jesus' followers, right? So there's, again, there's an equality, there's a beauty in it. Anyone else? Mm, that's good. Yeah, each gift represents a quality that we can also find in Jesus. Absolutely true. Man, that's worth a year of Bible studies. <laughs> so much. Yeah, Jesus, the priest king. Uh, boy, we could just talk about because every book of the Bible you can see Jesus. Yes. Yeah, so good. Daniel? Uh, this brings up one body, the fact that we, co- we function cohesively, like the gifts aren't at odds with each other. Yes. The gifts are not at odds with each other. We work cohesively. Now that takes a little bit of perspective, a little bit of understanding, uh, and and a little bit of intentionality to learn that that's true and then function that way. Because if somebody just has a teaching gift, they can, with immaturity, have a idea that teaching is really the best. And if somebody is prophetic, they can really, they might not, would not ever say it, but they might have a feeling that prophecy is the best. And then remember, what we have is definitely already defined in Scripture four different tribes in this church of disunity. So we have people that have gone into that, right? Apollos originally did not have a teaching of the Holy Spirit. He didn't understand it until Paul was involved, right? There was some unique aspects going on there. Right, so that, that's an important distinction. Erica? Interactive question. Then why does Paul say, but we should all want greater gifts? Right, so that we're going to get into okay. next week. <laughs> but that is the, but the, the short answer is because remember, th- 13 is the love chapter, agape love, and where he's saying, yeah, agape love in Jesus must be the foundation. It's our motivation. It's how we can analyze, is the gift being used with some purity? Right? Okay. Anything else on what we learn about spiritual gifts? Ben? Because you value a gift you don't have doesn't mean you don't have a part to play. Right. Because I'm not a hand 
Yeah, just because you value gift doesn't mean you. Um, Sorry, value gift you don't have. Yes. Right. Doesn't mean you don't have a role to play. And what we also see there is that you can desire them. Jocelyn? And when we're talking easily about the honoring the mm -hmm. the good parts and the bad parts. It's not for us to judge right. someone else's gift or lack of mm -hmm. or a church that moves in one gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not for us to judge, not for the parts to determine or cast aspersion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Chris? Just that one of them is missing. Any value that holds the wrongness back. I think that's something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes thinking too hard about one way or another value, you kind of think of it as like, if we're missing here, we never get to see. Yep. Yeah, there's a value on welcoming people in because there's an understanding of if they're missing, their, their gift is missing. Yeah, yeah. All right, for time's sake, I want to continue. I want to just kind of bring us back to verses 4 and 5. There are different kinds of gifts, but they are all from the same Spirit. Different ways to serve, but the same Lord to serve. He, he, he making specific... The list in this chapter is not exhaustive. It's not, he's very clear in his grammar. This is not meant to be an exhaustive list. So if you don't identify with one of the things that's mentioned in chapter 12, don't feel bad. This is not an exhaustive list. So you're not meant to look at this chapter and go, that's me. Okay, right? But it's the same spirit. It's the spirit that gives and there are different ways to serve the same Lord to serve. And who, who do we, do you use your gift for the person you're ministering to? Is that who you're serving? Yes, but primarily serving Jesus. That helps us have an emotionally healthy approach to it. So if they reject it, my ultimate fulfillment, peace, and joy comes from Jesus, not from the person who has rejected it. That's important understanding, okay? And there are different ways that God works through people, but the same God. God works in all of us in everything that we do. Paul doesn't say, hey, I'm better than Peter, I'm better than Apollos. We're talking about the spiritual truth here. God works in all of us in everything we do. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person, watch it, for the common good. There's a specific purpose, specific identified purpose, and this connects with the whole letter, which articulates that that purpose is the cause of Christ. What Jesus taught is the purpose for each believer and for the church, right? It's for the common good, strengthening each other. Gift, this is where we get the English word charisma, the, the gift word that's used a whole bunch of times in the letter and in this um, chapter. 
it's rich, it's very deep, but I just want to very quickly help bring us a little bit of definition as we get close to closing here today. The English word, we get the idea of it's a donation, it's freely given. You know, I, um, Chris gave me a great gift last week. Thank you. He's a better gift giver than I am. <laughs> that doesn't mean I shouldn't get better at it. Uh, a donation freely given. Uh, it's also proof of favor when you give a gift. And this is very important in our understanding of God gives us gifts. It's, and I think the word favor, particularly, you know, we're a spirit-filled church, but in certain charismatic or Pentecostal circles gets maybe used a little too much. But what it, when God gives you a gift, what the little Greek word means is that God is showing you favor by giving you the gift. He's showing you, I love you. I care about you. I'm giving you more than enough, better than you deserve. Favor and benefit. Now, the way we use the word here in this chapter, in our understanding of the English translation, is it's extraordinary gift. And a lot of times what happens is maybe somebody else points it out to you. Hey, you know, you're, well, you're pretty good at that. You're better than the average person at that. I got to be honest with you. Growing up, I didn't have very many people that said that to me about anything. (laughs) One thing that I was told I was good at was being interested in other people and what they're interested in and getting excited about what they're interested in. But I was never particularly fast, didn't have good hand-eye coordination, (laughs) right? So, but there's this, people notice like, whoa, like you're actually good at that. That's a part of what we're talking about here. And it's God has shown you favor by freely giving you something that has value. That's a part of how this word is used in this chapter. So the Spirit gives one person the ability to speak with wisdom. And the same Spirit gives another person the ability to speak with knowledge. So today in closing, I just want to talk about these two gifts. And the next couple Sundays, we're going to break down the other gifts in talking about spiritual gifts. But today was really an introduction to this series to kind of get us pointed the right direction. It's interesting, the gift of speaking with wisdom and speaking with knowledge, when you really dig into the scholars, all the the scholarly work in in reference books and then in commentaries, the scholars really don't agree (laughs) on these words. They have really different um, views on what those mean. And you really see their theological bent, their theological focus in how they write about these. But let me just try to summarize and, and help you avoid maybe that headache that I experienced in studying it. What we definitely can understand is that these gifts are about verbal communication. God has given you an ability that's beyond the average human to use your mouth but with the specifics of something that is in alignment with this purpose of the body of Christ. We definitely, that's definitely a part of this context. And wisdom and knowledge, a lot of the Proverbs give us things we can unpack and apply, but then sometimes there's verses in Proverbs that use the words really differently. But let me try to break it down a little bit. So wisdom in particular is noted in Proverbs and in other places as something that has come from your relationship with God. And it's identified as intuition. There's an innate ability to understand. When Solomon asked God for it, the word understanding is used, particularly in relationship to 
how to have good stewardship in caring for the people. That's in Solomon's request and his definition of that word. But what we definitely get is understanding. There's, it's recognized, whoa, you have a gift to understand what is wise, meaning what is the best way, what is the God-ordained, what is the best way to use an understanding of the world, the circumstance, the issue, whatever it is, and an understanding of how to use the knowledge. So you have an understanding of how to apply it. You have an intuitive ability to, to unpack wisdom. And one thing I think is important for us to note is it does not say people who talk loud and long. But it is identifying that God gives some people a spiritual gift of an ability to say something that communicates wisdom. And one thing, what do we know about communication? If the two don't understand, it's not communication. So it means that you have a gift to connect, to communicate, not lecture and just say what you say and then move on with no regard for if they understood what you said. That's not what these words mean in the Greek. It's I'm communicating in a way that generates understanding and around wisdom. Now, knowledge is different. Knowledge is information that we learn. And again, primarily within the context, this is along the cause of Christ, along our collective purpose. Augustine um, noted in particular that this word denotes scientific information. And I, I found that to be interesting. Uh, but not all scholars do. A lot of scholars have, have used different ways of unpacking it. And Pentecostal and charismatic churches have associated it with another spiritual gift, which I, I don't find actually works. And that would be the, the, the prophetic ability to say, you grew up on a street of this address with a person who was born on this day and this thing happened to you. That's a prophetic gift. Charismatic Pentecostals have used this word of knowledge to associate it with that. I wouldn't from an understanding of what, what prophecy is, okay? So, but it is, you have this gift, and Lord, in the last three years, have we needed this? <laughs> Where we have more and more people that have drifted into camps that can't actually even agree on the basic facts of a conversation. And we could totally unpack that. But God gives some people an ability to speak with knowledge. So those are two gifts. There's their communication gifts. They're important gifts. And I kind of hope that maybe some of you in the room today feel an affirmation from the spirit that maybe you have that gift. And maybe you felt inferior to other people who were more spiritual. Hey, maybe you have this gift. This gift is really valuable. I hope that helps. All right. So. The Holy Spirit, just, just to close with this basic thought and close in prayer. The Holy Spirit gives us special abilities that help us strengthen our spiritual family and participate in the cause of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit gives special abilities. Special abilities. So what should we do? Over these next couple of weeks, I would invite you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in particular multiple times. And then as you've digested that, go into 13 and 14. And then pray. Ask God for help with it. 
um, listen to what the Holy Spirit would have to say to you about the scripture. Um, write out your questions. What are your questions about the scripture? And let's share the journey. Chat, chat with somebody else about it. Talk with somebody else about what your, what your journey is about it. The exciting thing is that Jesus is alive and that changes everything. And Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is drawing us together with unity. And Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, God, by the Holy Spirit, our good Father God gives us good gifts, which you could call superpowers. <laughs> I'm being a little bit silly, but spiritual gifts. So there's what we get from 1 Corinthians. There's one spirit, Holy Spirit above us. We're spiritual beings, right? One spirit, many superpowers. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, God, that you have spoken to us through what you said to the Corinthians all that long time ago. Thank you that it is still relevant to us today. Thank you that you help us, that you saved us because you love us. And there's always something new to learn. There's always, your spirit is always reaching out to us, bringing healing and restoration. Lord, and we pray, whereas we've touched on issues today where we might have experienced pain or injury or discouragement or disappointment. Lord, would you bring healing to those things through your word? Would you help us to encourage one another as we move in this direction together? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.